Father God, we come before you today to worship in your presence and to just fellowship with you. I thank you that we can come before you. And I thank you for each person who's come here today and any who are still coming. I thank you for each person who's watching today. I ask you to touch each life. Speak to us this morning, Father. We always need to hear from you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace and your forgiveness and, and that you are so good to us. I ask you now to just fill this place with your spirit. Bless Pastor Terry as he brings the word today, Father. Bless the music in the name of Jesus. Amen.
There is no one else who can heal us. There is no one else who can feel what we feel. Only our God. There is no one else who will keep us in His arms.
to you guys this morning from 1 Peter 5. Um, It's shepherds the flock, uh, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Papa, we exalt you. We lift you high, O Holy of Holies. Tender Shepherd, we see your good works, and we look forward to the day when we can partake in your eternal glory forever. We thank you for taking our meat carts and refining them. 
We were helpless and dependent and easily led astray. And you sent your son to show us that we were meant to be kings. Thank you, Jesus. That we are your great wealth. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Yeshua, we humble ourselves before you and ask that you bless us with the wisdom and strength that only you can give. Yes, Jesus. Help us understand the great charge on our hearts to be your hands and feet, to be the living embodiment of love and grace in all that we do. May the words of our mouths and the prayers of our hearts be pleasing to you. We thank you for lifting us up and setting our feet on higher ground. Thank you, Jesus. For going before us and making a way. Yes. Help us to remain steadfast in our faith. Thank you. Father, help us to be willing vessels, open hearts, ready to step forward in whatever it is you're calling us to do. Give us boldness, give us strength, give us courage. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much. We thank you that you look at us and you see jewels, that you see your wealth. We thank you for giving us worth. We thank you for sending your spirit down here this morning with us this morning, Father, that we could just be lifting you up without reservation, without any cares. Father, we just thank you that we can come be in your house. Yes. And be full of peace and love. We thank you, Father. Oh
Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you so much that you are all we need, Lord. You, you are enough. Lord, I thank you that your love came for us when we were lost and undone, when we didn't know you, we didn't care anything about you. Your love came for us. You sought us out when we were rebels, when we were your enemies. You sought us out. Your love came for us, Lord. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't ever give up on us. You don't ever, you don't ever turn us away. You don't ever reject us. You are all we need, Lord. You're our everything. Lord, I thank you that your goodness abounds towards us all the time. We need more and more of you in our lives, Lord. More and more of you. More knowledge of you. More knowledge of your goodness. More awareness of your goodness and your favor that's poured out in our lives all the time. We don't see it, but you're always working for us. Sometimes we, we think you're, you're not doing anything, and I know you are. You are always working for our good. Thank you, Lord. You are holy, Lord. You alone are worthy of our glory and honor and praise. You alone are worthy of our lives. The enemy wants to distract us and wants to attract us away from you. But Lord, you, you alone are the desire of our hearts. You alone are the focus of our lives. Lord, help us, help us more and more to be attracted to you, Lord, that we wouldn't be distracted, we wouldn't become weary, but we would just hunger and thirst after you. Every waking moment, if we could see you and hunger and thirst after you, our lives would be so fulfilled and satisfied because you are all we need, Lord. You are everything. I want to know that, Lord. I want to know that with all my heart. I want to be so convinced of that that nothing this world does. Nothing. Circumstances of life. Nothing that my body tells me. Nothing that my bank account tells me. Nothing that the enemy could tell me would change my thoughts about who you are and your goodness towards me. When I see you as you are, then I can become like you, Lord. Because I know what you look like then. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you are calling all of us to become more and more like you. You're calling us into your presence so that we can be changed from glory to glory by your spirit, by the truth of your word, Lord. Thank you for that. You alone, Lord, are worthy. I want to invite you just to take a moment and let, let the Lord speak to you as, as Carol plays. And if you want to, you want to sing softly or whatever you want to do, just give the Lord a chance to speak to you, to tell you what you need to hear today, because we all come with struggles and situations in our lives that we need the Lord to address. We need the Lord to heal and set us free. We need the Lord to breathe life into us so that we're refreshed and we can go about our daily lives with the power and the vigor of the Holy Spirit within us. So Lord, speak to us now. Speak to us.
thank you, Lord, for the peace that we experience in your presence. One of the first things you said to your disciples when you rose from the dead was, peace be to you. And you breathed on them. And you said, receive the Spirit. Or when you breathed on them, I believe you were breathing life into them, and that's what we desire this morning, Lord. In your presence, that you would speak those words of peace over us, that you'd breathe that life, that life into us that only can come from your Spirit, Lord. Even as you breathe life into Adam, he became a living soul, Lord. We need your life-giving breath flowing into our lungs and into our, into our nostrils and into our hearts and minds so that we become alive to you, Lord, in every area of our life. I want to be alive to you. I want to be dead to my flesh and dead to the old man, but I want to be alive to you. Breathe that life into us, Lord. Breathe it into us. You are everything, Lord. You are our everything. You are all we need. You are enough, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that promise. Your grace truly is sufficient. You are sufficient. We don't need any other source or resource other than you, Lord. You are all we need, and you've given us all we need. You've gifted us, and you've given us talents and abilities and you've helped us develop skills so that we can we can do the things that we need to do in this life to take care of our our financial situations and our homes and our families lord you've you've trained us and taught us and shown us how to do those things and and in the spiritual world lord you've you've given us your grace and your mercy and your hope and your peace and your joy and your love and you've given us your spirit, Lord, so that we can walk in your spirit. And we don't have to try to figure it all out and do it all in our own mind and our own strength. But you are with us wherever we go, Lord. You are our steadfast. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that we can count on you. You never change. You are true to your word. You're true to your character. You never change. Your love never changes. And your mercy never ends it never falls apart it never fails it never it never runs out but every day it's brand new and fresh and it's starting all over again thank you lord hallelujah thank you lord ah, thank you lord hallelujah peter said if you'll repent you'll experience times of refreshing in the presence of the lord I believe every time that we come together and worship the Lord, speaking to us, calling us to a place where we are closer to Him, sometimes that means that He points out areas in our lives that we need to make some corrections to, areas of our lives that need to be rearranged, priorities reset, our perspectives realigned with the truth of the Word. Lord, I want to I want to be in alignment with your plan for my life. I don't want to be doing my own thing. I want to be doing your thing. I want to be about your business, Father. I want to be about your business. And I know that means I don't abandon my family and quit my job and do crazy things. It just means that I need to keep my eyes on you and my ears tuned in to what you're saying so that everything I do 
I do it as unto the Lord. And I do it heartily and enthusiastically and that you'll bless the works of my hands because I am doing it as unto you, Lord. And you'll make me more successful at, at being a, a husband, more successful at being a father, more successful as being a grandfather, a son, a brother, a friend, a leader in your body. Lord, you'll make me more successful as an employee, more successful in everything I put my hands to because you are always working your good in me and for me and through me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for the times of refreshing that we've experienced this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, amen and amen. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, worship team. Uh, we've been in this series. I think we're going to finish today. Uh, keys and mysteries and revelation. We talked about uh, Peter. You know, Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And, and he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And we talked about the, the two main keys that we all need to the kingdom is Jesus Christ living in our heart and the fullness of his spirit within us. And if we got those two things going on, then our lives are going to be kind of like Peter's. We're going to go from being clumsy and awkward and stumbling all the time to being one of the people that stood up and preached and 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. So that's a pretty good key. If you can figure that much out, uh, the Lord will lead you and guide you from there. And we talked about mysteries and how the, a mystery in the biblical sense is that uh, it has been hidden for the ages, but now it's been revealed. It's not a mystery in the sense of, you know, I left candy bar out on the countertop and I came back later and it was gone and I didn't know who got it and I never know because nobody ever fesses up. But in, a, in the biblical sense, a mystery is what has been hidden, but now it's disclosed. It's almost like a box and you take the lid off, you look inside, you know, a gift box or something. It's like, here's, I know there's something really good in there, but I can't see it, it's hidden. But when you take the lid off, then you can see inside. And that's the way it is with mysteries in the kingdom. God has said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And the biggest mystery, the mystery, is that God wants to have a relationship with us. That's the big mystery. I don't know why. You know, I mean, when I think about it as a natural person, I think, why would God want to live inside of me or why would God want to know me because I see all my flaws and failures and all my shortcomings and I'm thinking why would a perfect holy righteous God want anything to do with me and yet that's the mystery that he does he he loves us all so much he wants to be part of our lives that's the mystery and he wants us to have understanding and revelation of the way things work in his kingdom so the revelation is, is our understanding of who he is, the word of God, you know, how that it is a reflection of God. It, it is a description of who God is so that we can see his character, see his nature, understand how God functions and operates in the kingdom. And when we begin to get revelation of that, we begin to see that, then we understand how things work in the spiritual world. Now, there's a scripture of Peter, and, and uh, Peter says, no prophecy of scripture is uh, by private interpretation. 
And so not only is it breathed by God, the Word of God is it's inspired by God. It means it's breathed by God. But it's also not, not to be interpreted privately by you or me or anyone else. I mean, and we all, we can read a scripture and we might all have something different that it speaks to us about. That, that is a personal insight how the Lord speaks to you about situations in your life. You may, you know, I, I could tell you, and probably most of you could, all kinds of uh, incidents in my life where I've been struggling with something and I'm reading the scripture and something just jumps out at me and it's like, wow, that's, that, that answers that question. That solves that problem. But the scripture itself may not really have anything to do with that problem, but there's just some word or some thought about it that comes alive to me. That's how God's Word is. It is alive, and it's powerful, and it speaks to us. But, but we can't just go around, you know, making up our own doctrines about Scriptures. We have to, we have to allow uh, the Word to speak for itself, and then we use that to proclaim what God is saying. So I try to be careful, and, you know, Jesus <clears throat> reminded everybody of the Old Testament uh, law and rule about... Uh, courts and witnesses he said let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses and so if you're going to make some kind of a case from the scripture about a doctrine or a teaching you better have multiple sources that are pretty clear you know you can't just pick one verse and try to make a doctrine out of it uh, some people have done that you know obviously over the years uh, and you know I'm, I don't want to name them but uh I can think of one that's a really glaring example. Uh, you know, but if you know about snake handlers. You know, I mean, we, you know, there's really there's really only one verse, and and if you read that verse correctly, and you look at the original language, taking up serpents literally means to take them away. It doesn't mean to pick them up in your hands and handle them. But you take that one, you take that one verse and try to make a doctrine out of it. And it distorts everything else. And so that's unfortunate. But people do that. <clears throat> and that's why when I'm talking about revelation, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about, ooh, you know, getting some new revelation and, you know, doing something that's above and beyond what is clearly revealed in Scripture. I believe God speaks to us. I believe God speaks to all of us. And He uses His Word. He uses preachers and teachers. I think he can speak to us through nature. Uh, I've heard a number of you give testimonies about how you, you, know, you look out at a sunrise or a sunset and you just think, wow, you know, this is revealing who God is, God's greatness and his glory. People, you know, sharing one another, just encouraging words. You know, sometimes you may say something that changes someone's course of their life forever and you might not even realize that you said anything significant. Some people are going through a really hard time and they just need someone to say, you know, have a good day. Because everything else about their day is so horrible. They're, you know, they're literally, they might be contemplating suicide or just giving up all hope. And you could say something kind and it could change everything. So God speaks. God speaks. We need to understand that he does speak. And primarily it will be through his word, but he does use other sources. So we're going to read a passage, our text is from Ephesians 3, and it's kind of a long passage, but I want to read it all to you for the context. <clears throat> for this reason, 
I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus, Christ Jesus for you, Gentiles, if, need you, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom... We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So, for unbelievers, the mystery is that God wants to have a relationship with them. For believers, it, it's much deeper than that. Not only that, but God wants to, he wants to be united with you. He wants there to be a oneness so that we are all one in him and we are one in each other. There is a unity that God wants us to understand. That is part of the mystery. He wants us to understand that it's deeper than just coming to know him. But I mean, it will be part of every aspect of our life. It will go into every area and part of our life. And if you'll read the preceding chapter, it gives a little more clarity to what Paul was just saying. But he said, you know, that the Jews and the Gentiles are made fellow heirs. We are, we are joined together. And both are heirs now. That was part of the mystery because the Jews did not think that Jesus or the gospel or the blessings of the Lord were to be poured out on non-Jews. They just didn't. And that was the perversion of what God had told them because all along God had said, if anybody is not a born Jew, wants to become a Jew, they can join and they can begin to follow the things that you're following, and, and we can receive them. They can't be priests. They can't have anything to do in the inner part of the sanctuary, but they can be part of the congregation. But the Jews, didn't, they didn't really hear that part. They kind of just kept that aside. It's like, we're special, and they were. Everybody else is not so special, and so we reject them. And sometimes we do that as believers now. You know, we, we believe a certain way, somebody doesn't believe that way. Well, you know, you're wrong, so we reject you. Or, or uh, you know, I don't, I don't like the way you worship, or I don't like the way you sing, or the way you, you know, whatever. We, we just need to be careful of that. Because we are, if we are believers, we are one with one another. We are one body. We're all joined together. And I got to say... It's pretty unpleasant when you start lopping off parts of your body because 
you don't like the way they fit in or the way they look or the way they function. Some of you in this body have got a little piece of finger missing or, or you know, you've had things cut out of you because of a sickness or something. Uh, you don't really enjoy that. I like, I like my fingers the way they are. I mean, they may not be perfect, but they're mine. You know, I like the way they work. And if I start lopping them off because I don't like the way they look or something, then I'm, I'm going to be suffering. Well, the body of Christ is the same way. We are meant to be unified. We're meant to be together and all functioning as one. That's part of the mystery. It's part of the mystery that Christ wants us to all be unified. So Jesus, when he died on the cross and accomplished everything that he did on the cross, Paul says in Ephesians 2 that he broke down the middle wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentiles. And in his flesh, in his body, the two became one. And that was never the case in the past. You know, I mean, even though they might say, well, you're a Gentile and we'll let you come in, but they really didn't receive him. They always resented him. They always like, you know, you're less, you're less than because you're not born into the family of God. We need to be careful. We need to be really careful about having a superiority complex and thinking that we're better than other people. Now, on the one hand, if you're a believer, you're definitely better than a sinner that's not a believer. I mean, you're, you know, you've been redeemed. But God doesn't love you any more than he loves the sinners. I mean, we have a tendency to think, you know, I'm a child of God and, and I'm special, and that's true, but those other people are special in God's eyes and he sent his son to die for them and he loves them and he wants them to become his children just like you did. And we need to be careful not to, not to look down on people or judge people, but keep an open heart and mind because God loves everybody. That is part of this mystery. So the mystery was revealed in part in the Old Covenant, but it's revealed more fully in the New Covenant and in the written Word of God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a little time talking about some of the way God revealed himself in the Old Covenant, and then we're going to switch over into the New and talk about that more. So the mystery revealed. God desired a people. God's always desired a people. You know, he created Adam and Eve for fellowship, and he wanted to commune with them. And he came down, and he talked with them, he walked with them, and he fellowshiped with them. That's what he wanted. And uh, it was by their failure that that all got messed up and broken, but God immediately began to restore and make a way so that that fellowship could be um, re reinstated. So in, in, in Exodus 19, 4 through 6, this is what God says about, about Israel. He says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. So that's what God told Moses. Moses told the children of Israel, and they got all excited about it. And, you know, we all tend to do that. We hear something good, and then we just go crazy. And that's what they did. They said, we're going to be a special people. That means everybody else is not special. 
And they never, they never quite got over the fact that God said, I want to include the entire earth. I'm making you a blessing so that you can be a blessing to the entire earth. And they were just thinking, we're a blessing so we can be a blessing to ourselves. We're, you know, us four no more. That's the way we worship around here, you know. God wants it to be for everybody. He said, I want the glory of the Lord to cover the entire earth. So he wants us to be a special treasure like no one else, but he wants everybody to be part of that. He's made the offer to everybody. Special treasure to me. Deuteronomy 7, 6. He says it multiple times. You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And then Deuteronomy 26, 18, he said, Also today the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. So he said, I want you to be my special treasure. And then he says, I say you are my special treasure. I proclaim it over you. That's what God is saying to us as, as believers in Jesus. He is saying you are a special treasure. He has made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted. And it's not a reason to get a big, fat, swelled up head and think we're better than everybody else. But it is a reason to know that we can come into the very presence of God and we don't have to grovel, we don't have to beg, we don't have to, we don't have to earn anything. You can't anyway. And we don't have to kill animals and sacrifice and throw blood everywhere. Jesus did that once for all. And we are accepting the beloved because of his sacrifice, his provision. And we can know that we are a special treasure and that we can come and present ourselves before the Lord and he receives us. And we don't have to come with fear, trepidation, and worry about, you know, is he going to reject me? Is he going to cast me out? You remember the story about Esther? You know, she was afraid to go before the king because if he didn't hold out the royal scepter, I mean, she would, could be put to death. That was the penalty for just coming right into the presence of the king. And I'm here to tell you, our king, he's got the royal scepter out there all the time, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ, and it's there, and we can come freely and with boldness, not cocky and proud, but we can come with confidence that he will receive us, and it's going to be okay. I don't want to live my life thinking, if I come to God and confess my problem, he's going to slap me around and tell me you're a slob and unworthy and get out of my sight. Because that's not the way it works. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when we come before the presence of the Lord, His mercy always is extended to us. That doesn't mean there's not consequences for sin, but we always receive mercy when we present ourselves to the Lord. We have to understand who God is. That's why I talk about it all the time. We want to see you as you are. Because when we see Him as He is, then we can become like Him. And when we see Him as He is, we'll know that He is not an unjust God. He is a loving God. He is just and he is perfectly justified in forgiving our sin. And he is perfectly justified in judging sinners. He can do both because he's God. And he is just. His mercy is extended to us. If we receive it, he is just in giving us his mercy. 1 John 1, 
9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't present ourselves to Him and confess our sins, He is just in judging our sin. There is a real heaven and a real hell. And it's real. And it's going to get real for the people that don't know the Lord. And so that's why we need to go about our daily lives persuading people, begging, pleading, talking to people about the love of Christ that's available to them because they don't, they don't understand. They don't know. They have, a, they have a void in their heart and their life and they're trying other things to fill that and they don't realize that the only way that can ever be filled is Jesus. I mean, you can try uh, success, money, partying, fame, fortune, you know, however you want to say it. You can try all that. And it's just, it's not going to ever satisfy the longing in your heart to have a relationship with God. That's what people have always done. They've sought everything other than God. That's why I like that line out of that song where it says, your love has come for us. Because when we were rebels, when we were rebellious, when we didn't care anything about God, he gave everything for us. He sent his son. He came for us. He sought us out. Still, I've been walking with the Lord for, you know, 50 years nearly, and I still, I am just amazed at his great love. He sought us out when we were his enemies. He demonstrated his love for us. We are supposed to be a kingdom of priests. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. We're consecrated to the Lord. We're, we're supposed to be set apart. Paul says, you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's what he said about the children of Israel. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is that they had a temple and they worshipped in the temple and God came and showed up. He lived and dwelled. In, uh, his glory came down in the temple. The difference now is that we are the temple. We are the dwelling place of the Lord. He chooses to dwell in the hearts of men, not in some building. Now, when we come together as a body and we worship, the Lord comes corporately into all of us and in this place because we're here worshiping but that's not where he dwells god dwells in our hearts i mean he he's everywhere but he but he walks with us it's not a it's not just a one-time thing you go to the altar and pray a prayer and you're good for the rest of your life god he dwells with us he wants to live in us and walk with us everywhere we go every place we go everything we do every thought everything we look at the words we say whoa that means I got to be careful what I do. But again, God is mindful that we are from dust. He knows that we're flawed and broken. He doesn't give us a pass necessarily, but he understands that we, you know, we're not going to be perfect. He wants us to change, though. That's my, my main point I want to get across is that God wants us to be changing constantly. Just because you're flawed and broken that's not a pass to say, 
I'm going to stay flawed and broken. I mean, that's what some of us do. It's like, well, God's grace covers all that. Well, it, His grace does cover it, but He wants you to change. He wants you, and He wants you to change because He wants your life to be fulfilled and blessed and happy. How can you have the abundant life if you never try to walk in it? The abundant life is there for us to have. The children of Israel, when they went to the promised land the first time, they didn't go in. The promised land was available, but they didn't go in. You know, those things are written for our example so we can understand how things work in the spiritual world. We have to possess the promised land. It doesn't just happen automatically. God says, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to do all these things, and you're going to be, you're going to be successful. But you've got to go. You've got to go into the land. You've got to actually go and dress for battle. And I'm going to win the battle for you, but you've got to go to the battle. That's, that's our problem, folks, is that we don't, we don't go to the battlefield. We don't dress for the battle. We just wait to hear the victory signal. You know, we have to do our part. Our part is that we seek the Lord. We walk with the Lord. We allow Him to speak to us and change us. And when we do that, we're changed from glory to glory in His presence. And then we can see and experience the abundant life that is meant for us. But if we don't ever pursue Him, if we don't ever seek Him, if we don't ever allow Him to change us, that we're not going to be walking in the abundant life. We're going to be walking in the less than abundant life. It might be almost a crummy life because if you're a believer and you're not walking with the Lord like you ought to be, you're going to be miserable because the Lord doesn't want you to be like that. So he's going to send his spirit to bring conviction into your heart. He's going to tell you, I really would like for you to draw closer to me. I really would like for you to quit this ugly, nasty, sinful habit you have. I really want you to change because you're going to be happy. I want you to be blessed. You are a special treasure to me above all the peoples of the earth, but you're not going to ever experience it if you don't leave that old junk behind and move towards me. Follow me into the promised land. I've got the land flown with milk and honey, but you're going to be eating desert food. You know, I mean, you got to change. You got to change. God has made these great offers to us. But you got to receive them. You got to receive them. And we got to allow him to work in us and change us. So we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. We are the temple of the Lord. We're supposed to minister to the Lord. Now, the priests and the Levites were the ones that did all the ministry to the congregation of Israel. But I'd like to point out to you, a couple of things. One is that Samuel was a priest and a prophet, and he was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from Ephraim. And I'd like to point out to you that Jesus was a priest and a prophet. He is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he was from the tribe of Judah. He wasn't from the tribe of Levi. So God set it up, and he said, I've got this one special tribe that I'm going to allow to be the ministers for my tabernacle or my temple or for me. And I think God understood that the children of Israel were a bunch of stiff-necked rebels. And I think he knew if he just tried to get everybody involved in the ministry of the temple, that it was going to be a mess. And he said, if I can have this one group, one group, and I'll tell them they're special and they're different, and I'm going to, I'm going to really focus on one group, Maybe we can get it right. And it worked pretty well, but it wasn't, it wasn't perfect because we're humans. We're flawed. But we are all now, as believers, we all have a ministry to the Lord. 
We worship the Lord. We're not offering blood, but we're offering praise. So each one of us, when we come in here and we lift our hands, we sing, we say, thank you, Lord. Lord, you are worthy. We are, we are offering a sacrifice of praise. We are worshiping the Lord. We are doing ministry to the Lord. And that is what ministry is really all about. When we refer to ministry, a lot of times we are talking about the preacher or people praying at the altar or, you know, a class or, you know, some leader or worship leader. Yeah, those are ministries. But our first and foremost and absolute ministry that we all need to be involved in is ministry to the Lord because we're all called to minister to the Lord. We are supposed to be priests and kings under our God. That's what he says. Priests and kings. We are supposed to rule and reign in this earth as kings. And I don't mean, you know, you go around with a crown on your head and all that. I just mean you're supposed to have dominion over this life, not the other way around. And the way most of us go around, this life has dominion over us. We're under our circumstances instead of controlling our circumstances. We are content to be a thermometer just telling what the temperature is. And we really need to be a thermostat so we can set the temperature. We're supposed to control the circumstances of our life. God has given us power and authority, but we have to exercise that. And if you don't know that, you're not going to exercise that authority. And even if you know it, you, you're pretty easily deceived sometimes because circumstances come along, doctor will tell you, this is what you got to do, and you'll say, okay. And maybe God is saying, no, I've got a different plan. Your bank account will tell you, you're broke. And God says, no, I've got a different plan. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, baby. There's nothing too difficult for me. I'm the God of all flesh. I got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. It's not a bankrupt plan. It's a good plan. We just need to, we need to listen to what God is saying and be tuned in to what he says and not get focused on everything else. So God revealed his desire. He revealed his desire that he wanted to have this special treasure of a people. He, he revealed it through the patriarchs, Adam and Enoch and, o, and Noah, and I was thinking about, you know, Abraham. I was thinking about that this morning, that when God called Abraham and revealed his plan to him, all the scripture says is that he said, Abram, I want you to get out of your country and go to not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the new revelation. He is the revelation. He is the mystery. He is all of it. Our relationship with him, that's what he wants to reveal to us. Through the word, he wants to reveal it uh, through himself. He indwells us. And, you know, God wants us to be uh, part of how he communicates, how he speaks to people. It's partly through us. As we go around in our everyday daily lives, as we live our lives, as we speak, as we, as we interact with unbelievers, that's how God talks to them. God needs, he needs to have people who represent his kingdom so that the unbelievers can see what his kingdom looks like. Because it's spiritual and without, without something that they can relate to, it makes it very difficult for them to see it and understand it. But when they see us and they say, well, they're, they're no better than me. You know, they struggle with the same problems I struggle with, but look at their life. You know, they got it going on. They got it figured out. 
They see that and they say, well, something is different about them. Maybe it's because they believe in God. Maybe that's what I need in my life. But if your life is a mess and that's the way you live and walk around, most people are going to look at you and say, yeah, you're Christians. <laughs> yeah, you're no different than me. You know, I'm, I don't have any, any less problem than you do or any more problem than you do. We're equal. It ought not be that way. God speaks to us through his son. We have Jesus living in us if we're a believer. Titus 2 says, And all, the things, uh, all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. There's a lot, a lot of meat right there. But God wants to redeem us so that we're not who we used to be, that we're changed, and that we are zealous for good works. And when we do those good works, unbelievers see our lives and they say, something is different about that person. I want what they have because I have problems. They seem to not have some of those problems. They can handle life differently than I handle it. I want what they have. But if your life is not an example of that, you're not going to convince them of anything except that you're no better than they are. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Worship team, y'all can come back and I just, I want to leave you with these thoughts that we as believers are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be a separated people, a peculiar people. And that doesn't mean just being a freak because you're weird. It means being separated and different from the world system and from the norm of people that don't walk with the Lord. And he said, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. You're just temporary. I mean, this is, this is all temporary. It's short term. I'm begging you. Abstain from worldly lust and all the things that war against your soul. I'm begging you. And you know why? It's because he understood that if you walk with the Lord and you allow the Lord to change you and redeem you and make you different, that you'll be happy and fulfilled. You'll have the abundant life. You won't be living in the desert eating, you know, cacti but you'll be living in the promised land with flowing milk and honey. 
I, I'd rather eat milk and honey. That sounds kind of weird, but I'd rather eat that than cactus. Now, I know some people eat cactus, but, you know, I'm thinking about the kind with the, the you know, the, the thorns and the spikes and the bristles. You know, I mean, I, not so much. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of the thorns and the thistles and the, the sand and all that heat and misery. I want comfort. I want, I want the land that's flowing with milk and honey. I want the prosperous, fruitful land. That's what God said. I'm giving you abundant life. But you've you got to walk in it, folks. It's not going to just come, you know, overtake your life. You have to walk it out, just like the children of Israel had to walk into the promised land. We have to allow the Lord to change us, mold us, and make us into His image. Let's stand and worship.
defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Lord, we need you more and more today. That's what we've been talking about. That's our desire, Lord. We, we just want more and more of you. So come now, Lord, and, and uh, stir us. Stir us, Lord, so that we would be so hungry for you that nothing, nothing in this world could discourage us or distract us, but we would be so hungry for you that, that we would come and, and seek you. And, and I know, Lord, if we seek you, you will yes. fill us. When we seek you, we will find you. Yes. What you said, you. that we would be found of you, Lord, and you would show us all those great and mighty things that we don't even know because we are seeking you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, come, draw us close to you that we know you and know your heart.
Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for setting us free. Yes. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Come Wednesday night. If you have any uh, special prayer requests, needs for someone to lay hands on you, you can come to the altar and someone will meet you and pray with you. Have a great week. And let's uh, let us pursue the Lord. Hear his voice. Let him reveal himself to us in new ways. Amen. Amen. God bless you.